without any further delay, let me give you our, our friend Barkley, our speaker from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, everybody. I'm Barkley, and I'm an alcoholic. It is very good to be here. Thank you very much for that very those, those very kind words. I appreciate that, Dan. What Dan did not tell you is about, oh, um, a week ago, uh, we did have a little text interchange. I said, hey, man, I'll see you this weekend. Here's my flight information. I'll be flying into Cleveland um, Friday. And he said, I hope you meant to write Cincinnati because we're going to have a long road trip together. I don't know how I ended up thinking it was in Columbus and I needed to fly. <laughs> I have had a spiritual awakening, but sometimes it presents as dummery. Um, I, uh, yeah. So, like I said, my, 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 uh, I am, uh, Barkley. I'm, yeah, I can say that. I'm Bark. I know. But I'm Barkley R. Uh, I am a very, very grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. My sobriety date is January 1st of 1990. I used to, oh, yeah, yeah, God, yay! I used to joke that it was uh, a New Year's resolution gone horribly awry. You know, honest to God, it was like the 80s almost took me out, man. It was like I, I just barely made it over that finish line. Uh, my home group, my home group is the Page 112 group in Old Hickory, Tennessee, okay? Does anybody know what the first three words on Page 112 are? Read this book, and that's what we do. And I am madly in love with my home group. I am madly in love with my home group. We meet on Wednesday nights in, uh, in Old Hickory. Uh, and it, we're, we're central time, so that at six o'clock central time, that's what, like twelve or thirteen o'clock here, right? Something like that. Anyway, and, uh, the, just so you know, just so you know, the, uh, we're, 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 uh, we're alive and online, and the magic numbers for our home group are 841-873-207. And our password, the password, is whisper. <laughs> and it's all lowercase because at the beginning of the meeting, we whisper the serenity prayer. And that kind of freaks people out, okay? They go, they're whispering. But what happened is my sponsor, Scott, he was at a jail meeting one night. And I don't know if you've ever been to a, like a men's prison. Uh, there's a lot of testosterone there, right? I mean, uh, Shane, first off, Shane, where are you, dude? Where are you, dude? Shane, great job, man. Yay. <laughs> Seriously, you did really great. You truly did. Thank you. Thank you. And spent seven hours in the joint, man. I'm telling you, Shane knows what it's like in the big house. He does. He does, baby. <laughs> so anyway, they were, we were, they were starting the meeting and all these, all this testosterone was flowing and it was like, God, grab me the serenity. And it was like, whoa. And he said, man, I can't see them do this to the Lord's prayer. So he said, hey guys, let's just whisper it. What do you say? And it took it down to a prayer. 
you know? And so we really dig whispering the serenity prayer and the Lord's prayer. It's, it's really kind of a cool deal. It'll freak you out the first time, but it's, you'll get used to it, I promise. Okay, um, please enjoy coming over here and seeing Bob and getting some tapes. or getting, not, No, he doesn't have tapes, okay? <laughs> get some wire recordings. Um, <laughs> But truly, if it weren't for guys like Bob, uh, I, when I got sober, I got sober on a 12 pack of, um, this guy named Joe Hawk. He had, he had, he had these 12 cassette tapes and I got sober on the old Joe Hawk cassette tapes. If it hadn't been for people recording stuff, I don't know that I would be sober today. So please thank you very much, Bob, for doing what you do. I really appreciate it. Okay, enough of that stuff. Um, so, I'm Barkley, my home group, my sobriety date, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, I come from a family of five people, okay? My father was a veterinarian. My mother was a brilliant woman, brilliant woman. She was the not the valedictorian, but the salutatorian of uh, Middle Tennessee State College. It's now MTSU. Uh, they had three boys. I was the youngest of those three boys. Um, and alcoholism and drug addiction has killed three of the five of us. There's two of us left, and we're both in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's not just some kind of weird accident. I know beyond knowing that the only reason I'm standing here tonight is because I stumbled into Alcoholics Anonymous. I owe you my lives quite literally, and I appreciate that. I truly, truly do. Like I said, my dad was a veterinarian. He named me Barkley. <laughs> um, um, I can pretty much guarantee you I've done more dog dope than anybody in the room. Um, you know, I've done puppy uppers and doggy downers and kitty quaaludes and, you know, like, and I will say, uh, I have been worm free since 1976. So... <laughs> You just do what you have access to. And I had, he had this room in the hospital and there was this little sign over the door, right? One of those old like plastic, you know, fake wood signs. And it just said one word. It just said one word, one magical word. It said drugs. <laughs> right? And I love that room. I really love that room, but I got ahead of myself. So the first time, um, and they say, first time I ever just got snot sling and throw up on the ground, vomit, literally blackout, wake up with a hangover, drunk. I was eight. Um, my, par- my parents had gone out of town, left. I was the youngest of the three boys. They left them in charge, and I had access to all the beer I could drink. I'm told I drank three tall boy Budweiser's. I don't remember. I just remember being so incredibly nauseous and hung over and sore and awful when I woke up the next morning that I completely swore off until I was 11, right? And then, and then when I was 11, now you were talking about, you were, uh, Shane was talking about, I, he drank a bottle of like, I don't know, 1997 wine from his father's, you know, chalet or something like that, right? We have that in common, right? When I was 11, I discovered Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill. 
Anybody remember Boone's Farm Strawberry? Oh, baby. Yeah. Right? Man. They called it wine. Right? Although it had never seen a grape before. Right? Uh, or a strawberry. But I got to tell you. Man, I got that bottle of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill, and I have never, I, I brought up two bottles of water because I've never drunk anything quickly. Or, you know, <laughs> I just have a little tiny sip. No, I've never done that. And I drank that bottle of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill. I think it was nice and warm the way you really love Boone's Farm. And I just went. Pah. Right? And I was okay, man. You were okay. Fifth grade was okay, right? It was just good, man. It was good. And, and what I didn't know was that that was, a, that was not a normal reaction for your normal 11-year-old kid to a bottle of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill. It just made everything just right, man. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love. I had a, uh, a love affair. Now, I'm not saying that I spent the next, I got sober when I was 29. I got sober when I was 29. Um, I'm not saying I staggered all over Matt G at Tennessee. That's where I'm from is Matt G at Tennessee. Um, if you, that today, as Nashville has grown, it's become Mount Juliet, Tennessee. When I grew up there, it's Mount Juliet, Tennessee, right? And, and, and as, as a matter of fact, I know my name is spelled Barclay, right? And I pronounce it Barkley, right? But if you grow up in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and you go, hey, Maya, my name is Barclay, you get punched in the head, right? So I've just always been Barkley. Hey, I'm Barkley High. Um, so, so anyway, I'm not saying that I, uh, now, okay, here's the reality of the situation. We're going to do a little reality check here, okay? To begin with, my brain has a tendency to go ping, 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 right? And then the 80s happen, so I don't know what's going to happen inside of here. So if you're looking for something that are nice, steady, oh, I'm following the story, you're looking, come tomorrow night, Cliff gives a great talk, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> He gives a grunt. Tonight, we're going to ping all over the place, okay? Um, so I'm not saying when I was a kid that I was stumbling all over Mount Julian. Like, although I did do that occasionally, but not at 11. But then when I was 14, stay, heal. Okay, sorry about that, Bob. Um, so when I was 14, I discovered all the accoutrements that go with drinking, Right? I discovered the party favors, man, that make you go, or or wah, you know, and dog dope, right? And I got to tell you, man, from that moment, from that moment, and it was in December of 1974, I remember that, because that was the first, (laughs) I don't know why I'm telling this, sorry, um, I stole one of my sister's tampon rollers, or tampon sleeves, right, and rolled a joint out of it. As one does. Um, I have never told that from the podium. I apologize. I apologize. (laughs) 
But from that moment until the day I stumbled into Alcoholics Anonymous, I, you know, that was a 15-year just love affair. Now, it turned a little sour toward the end. It really, really did. Um, uh, I mean, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Uh, the first person that died in my family, I really kind of want to go through this because it, it, it has impact on me and it really showed me that, uh, that alcoholism just wants to kill you. It doesn't matter how it does it. It just wants you dead, right? Um, my mom committed suicide when I was eight because there was a bunch of things going on around the house that happens in an alcoholic home. My, fa- uh, my brother, uh, well, after my mom committed suicide, my dad married the reason that my mom committed suicide, right? And, uh, and he had three sons. She had three daughters, right? And it came out the same, they got, they got married the same year the Brady Bunch came out, right? <laughs> now for you youngsters, Shane, for all right, the Brady Bunch was this zany sitcom about this guy, here's a story of a man named Brady, right? Who had three sons and he marries a woman with three daughters and hilarity ensues, right? And it was like on the Brady Bunch, it was like, oh, no, both Greg and Marsha want to be student body president. Oh, womp, 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 right. And ours was like, oh, no, Marsha's pregnant and Greg is strung out on heroin. Womp, 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 womp. Ours was just different. Ours was different, Cliff. Ours was different. And, and so I knew, I knew, I knew that we were a little bit, right? Um, and, and I did. I felt different. I, I you know, you, the, the same old story that every alcoholic tells. But when my mom died, it was like it was just a, a whole, I felt so different than everybody else. Because it was like the late 60s, early 70s. Everybody else had a nuclear family. And, and I just, I felt very, very different. So when I discovered, like, this real peace, it truly was. It was like I had a spiritual experience on tap whenever I wanted it, right? So I fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with it. As I, as I grew up, every job, okay, there's a couple, there are some stories that I really want to tell. I've even made notes. I hardly ever make notes because there's a story about about Kentucky, northern Kentucky, that I need to tell you. Um, if I get finished, they go, thank you very much. Somebody go, northern Kentucky, Barclay. And I'll go, oh, yeah. Okay, so anyway. So anyway, um, where the heck was I? <laughs> uh, so anyway, so uh, I knew that we were a little bit zany. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, I, uh, I, I started imbibing in anything I could get my hands on. Big fan, big, big fan. Uh, all the jobs I've ever had were kind of revolved around alcohol, right? Anybody who ever wait tables, table waiters, waiters, waitresses, restaurant people? Oh, the perfect job for a drunk baby. The perfect job for a drunk. Right, you wake up. Um, that's I'm use, I use that term loosely. You come to at some time, you know, around one o'clock in the afternoon, right? You know, uh, and you reach in your pocket for that couple of hundred bucks you had last night, right? You know, I have two crumpled one dollar bills. 
guess I'm going to work today, right? So you go into work and you start feeling better and all that stuff. And then by the time the shift is over with, it's like it's time to go party again, right? That's my kind of life. That's my kind of life. So anyway, I was, I was waiting tables one night. It was a place called the London Fishery <laughs> in Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, that seafood mecca, Nashville, Tennessee. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm waiting tables this one night. It's a Tuesday night. I know it's a Tuesday night because it was just dead. And Tuesday nights are always a dead night in the restaurant world. I had this table they already had there. They already had their ticket. It's like 7.30 central. So it's like 8.30 here, right? And it's like 7.30. There's nobody there. And, the, and my ba- manager comes up and goes, Barkley, we're closing your station. And I went, Ah, yes, right? I don't know about y'all, but I have this committee of people up in my brain, right? I've got like, oh my God, I've got like, uh, I've got this uh, middle school girl named Natalie, and all she ever says is, nobody likes you. You're stupid, and they're all going to find out about you, and they hate you, right? And I've got this like colonel up there, it's like, what the? What's going on around here, right? And a puppy that's like, yay, yay, yay. And I've got this guy, dude. I've got this guy, dude, who only has one idea, right? And dude goes, ooh, 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 ooh. I got an idea. Let's go get blasted. And he makes that face. All the And so dude steps up. Hey, we got clothes. Let's go get blasted. All right. I said, dude, very good idea. Big props, dude, big props. So he said, let's go outside, smoke a big bowl of the weed, right? And then where he said dope, because we didn't use weed back then. He said, we're going to go smoke a big bowl of dope. And then we're going to go out and we're going to get drunk. And I said, dude, that's spectacular, man. That's spectacular. So I leave the table, the cup, the table there. They still have their check. I go outside and I smoke this giant bowl of the marijuana. And I got to be honest with you. I really don't know why I smoked pot for as long as I did. Cause about 90, 95% of the time that I would get stoned, I would get paranoid. You know, <laughs> it would be like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, Barkley, how are you? <laughs> I know you don't know me, but I like to talk, okay? I really like to talk. And, and, and I couldn't talk when I was stoned, so, so I only smoked that for like 14 years, right? Because that, that was stupid. That was stupid. Um, so anyway, I go outside and smoke this big bowl. I mean, this big bowl of really good dough. Mmm. Remember this? Remember this part of it? This fun little part of it? Get your teeth, you gotta get your lips stuck on your teeth, right? And so I'm going, so I'm gonna go in and get these people checked, and I'm gonna go get drunk, because I could use a drink. I'm way too stoned, right? So I walk in, yeah. What had happened is while I was out there smoking that big bowl of dope, they had had a little rush, and they had reseated me, 
right? I was like, oh. <laughs> and the dude, the dude has like, I don't know if you remember, some of you won't remember. Remember leisure suits? Remember like leisure suits, right? And this is like 1980-something, right? The dude has a leisure suit, and his wife has this giant 60s hair, you know? And I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> so I uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> welcome to the London Fishery. I'm Barkley. I'll, I'll be your way. To, <clears throat> I'll be your waiter this evening. Right? You know, may, I, may I take your drink order? And the lady, you know, the lady gives me her drink order. I go, oh, very good, very good. And I'm turning to dude, right, to get his drink order. And I notice out of the corner of my eye that the lady had pulled out this cigarette. Right? We were talking earlier. We were talking earlier. I thought I used to love cigarettes. God, I love cigarettes, right? The 80s were such a magical time for smokers, man. You could smoke anywhere. You could smoke in bars. You could smoke in restaurants. You could smoke in church. You could smoke. Man, you could just smoke, man. I'm smoking, right? So, so this lady pulls out a cigarette, and I know how to make money, right? So I reach my pound. Click. And what I, what I had forgotten was when I went outside to smoke that big bowl of dope, I had turned my lighter up to about that big. <laughs> Right? Right? Remember those old Bic lighters? Remember those old, that you could just, just spin that wheel and go. <laughs> there would just be pure butane for a few inches and then it would explode out there, right? Right? Oh my God. Huh. So I go, so I go. <laughs> Click. And he goes, Whoa! And she must have had on like two cans of Aquanet or something, man. Cause her hair just went, whoa! I mean, it exploded. And I mean, everything goes, yeah, down into slow motion ride. And I'm going, no. And I'm beating her out and she's going, no! And she's beating her out. And we're beating her out, and we're beating her out. Well, we finally get her beat out, right? We go. And, she, she, and she's sitting there, and all this hair is still there, right? It's all still there, right? But all this hair is just like, boom! It's gone. It's like gone. And she's sitting there going, <laughs> With like this little tendril of smoke coming up out of her head, right? Well, they got their meal comped, okay? They got their, they, they got their meal comped. And I swear to you, I don't think that, I don't think Leisure Suit Guy really liked her hair because he gave me a huge tip. He gave me a huge, huge tip. Um, and, I tell, I, <laughs> I tell that story for a couple of reasons. I tell that story for a couple of reasons. A, you people are sick, right? 
you really are quite sick because you're like, tell the story about sending the lady on fire, right? I've tried to not tell that story a couple of times, and it was like, right? Tell that story in a room of normal people, right? (laughs) He set her on fire. He set her on fire, right? <laughs> so anyway, that's one reason I tell the story. And the other reason, and really the more important reason is, is because that story absolutely talks about me. It is a perfect snapshot, flash, if you will, um, is a perfect snapshot of Barkley living in untreated alcoholism. Not even, not even like active alcoholism, but untreated alcoholism, right? I stumble through life completely consumed in me. Hey, man, what's going on, man, right? And I bump into you, you know, like the farmer coming up out of the the root cellar, right? And I, poof, I set you on fire, right? I do, I do, and I don't mean to. You know, I'm just trying to help, right? And... And I set your life on fire, and I go, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And I'm trying to put you out, right? And, I'm, and I don't mean to do it, and I just go, God, I'm sorry. I'm so, God, I'm so sorry. And I got here, I was, if I, I was so sick of saying I'm sorry. God, I hated that phrase. And it was every other phrase out of my mouth, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry, you know? And then, here's this really crappy part, is that we get you put out, and then I go, do-do-do-do-do, boof, I set the next person on fire. That's the way I lived my life. I went from one innocent, you happen to be in the blast radius, right? You just happen to be in my blast radius. Um, I, uh, I uh, went to college. I got uh, I got married. I met this woman who used to bring her. Uh, you probably don't remember. Y'all know you're, I'm in Kroger. Oops. I have no opinion on this outside issue, but Kroger. Um, you know, Kroger used to have these peanut butter buckets, and after you got finished, you know, eating the three thousand tons of peanut butter in there, you had like this bucket with a handle. And she used to bring all of her, uh, this girl used to bring all of her stuff over in this peanut butter bucket, like her toothbrush and her brushes and all that stuff and makeup. And I was drinking tequila one night. Oops. Um, And I came to the next morning and uh, she goes, are you okay? Yeah. (laughs) Apparently I had a, I had a waterbed and apparently I got a little seasick in the middle of the night and I thought I made it to the bathroom to throw up. And I made it as far as her peanut butter bucket, right? And I puked all over her toothbrush and her hairbrush and her makeup and all that stuff. And obviously, that relationship, whoo, ended up in marriage, right? Um, (laughs) I mean, you know... and and we really, you know, we were young, we were in love, we really did try and make it. God knows we tried to make it. And and um, 
you know, almost immediately after we got married, my brother, who was a great guy, I'm the goofy one in the family. He was this great guy. He had, he was like on the wrestling team. And that's the way we say wrestling. We say wrestling team. And he was, and he was just this cool guy. And he was on his way home from this bar in Nashville and he passed out behind the wheel and he, and he wrecked and he died, you know? And then within a year of that, my father basically drank himself to death. And, that's and I. It wasn't like I thought. Oh my God, this is good, really terrible. It's like put me in, Coach. I was drinking right along with him, and uh, that was in 1986. 1986 is when my dad died, and um, but when he died, he uh, had left his third wife and was living with another woman. And please don't hear. You know, I please don't hear any of this as any reason why I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic because when I drink, something happens inside me, right? And if you're sitting here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I just don't want to give the false impression that anybody outside of me has anything to do with me being an alcoholic, okay? So uh, he had left his third wife. He was living with another woman. And we found out that he had left everything he had to his third wife. She'd kind of worked her way into the will and everything. My oldest brother and my uh, middle brother's kids and I literally split the money that he had on him when he died. Okay? And we're talking about a million bucks or something, right? No, he didn't have a million bucks on him. But, and you want a resentment? <laughs> yeah, right? You want a little resentment? I had me a big old resentment, right? And that's in 19, that was uh, October, November of 1986. And from October, November of 1986 until January 1st, December 31st of 1989, my life was this. My life was I would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And you could set your watch to it. I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, not angry, in a rage, in a rage, you know, at that stupid, uh, that, that got all my money, all my money, all my money. I knew growing up we were crazy, but we had money. That's one thing we had. And that got my money. And I would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I would start drinking. And if I could drink myself back to sleep before 5 o'clock, I would do that. And if I couldn't, I'd switch over to coffee, and I'd go into work, right? And I went to work drunk a lot because it's hard to drink all that hate away. And I hated, and I schemed, and I just, I, I was filled with rage, filled with rage. I got ulcers. It was just not a fun time at all. And uh, December 31st of 1989, I thought, you know, maybe I need to quit drinking beer for a year. (laughs) Just for a year, right? You know, I I had by then I'd quit smoking pot because I got sick of pulling my lip off my teeth, right? And just just being stupid, you know? I mean, I'm stupid enough. I don't need that much help, right? 
and, and I, but I was just drinking like a fish, man, and I was hating like a hating machine, and I was just, and so I said, I'm just going to quit drinking beer for stay. Bob, you hate me, don't you? But anyway, um, <laughs> um, and so I, 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 I just quit drinking. January 1st of 1990, I just quit drinking. My last uh, was a Dos Equis beer, watching Dick Clark, the, the ball drop on New Year's Eve. And, uh, and I made it a week. And I didn't drink. And I didn't drink. Right? <laughs> right? Ugh. And I, 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 uh, I tore a door. I'm not a violent guy at all, but I tore a door off its hinges in the house, and I broke the door on my truck, and I beat a phone to death. They used to have these telephones on the wall. I beat a phone to death because some bill didn't get paid. And finally, my, my ex-wife said, why don't you go to one of those AA meetings? And I said, why don't you... <laughs> Why don't you find me one? You think you can do that, right? So she called up, and this was uh, January 7th. It was a Sunday night, and I lived, like, literally I had to drive down this one road, and I got lost, and I called up central office. I went, where is this place? <laughs> Turned right. I went, oh, okay. okay. Right. Um, and I went there, and I got to tell you, I, you know, a lot of people say, I, I, I came in, and I just felt the love. Right? And I, you people got me, right? I remember thinking, God, I thought I was crazy. Damn, right? It's like they were saying, I used to drink scope. <laughs> I drank scope, right? I used to run up peanut butter. <laughs> I don't think they actually did that, but that's what I heard, right? And I really thought, Man, these people have problems, right? I had conveniently forgotten that I used to do a lot of dog dope, right? Lots. I used to grind up and snort dog dope, right? By the way, if you ever decide to go out, do not grind up and snort dog dope. Because it burns. A lot. For a long time. Ah! 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 I forgot that. Um, but here, here's what, here's what grabbed me. Here's what got me here. And I want to talk more about this tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a workshop, I hope. Please, God, let that happen. That'd be so cool. Thank you. Um, um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, you laughed. You really laughed. I mean, you laughed, right? And I had not laughed in a long time. In a long, long time. So I'm going to tell you, I think, three stories. I'm going to tell you, I think I want to tell you three stories. I might be lying to you. I don't know. Um, but I, uh, that woman, I, I, I actually, I did. This guy said, hey, I want you to go through these Joe Hawk cassette tapes. You get finished with the tape, we'll meet up, and we'll, and we'll do it. And that's how I went through the steps the first time. I went through the fourth step. I went through the fifth step. I went through the stupid, stupid eighth and ninth step. Stupid, stupid ninth step, right? <laughs> And 
And I, I, uh, I, 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 I may have started making amends. And my experience in that first time was I did not get a lot of relief in my fifth step. I just didn't. I just didn't. But when I started getting relief was when I was making that, those ninth step amends. When I, and like there's, you know, you call them, you hear them called the promises. They're really the ninth step promises, right? And I started making those amends, and I started getting some kind of relief, real relief. And I even called up that bee that I used to wake up and hate at at night. I said, hey, you know what? When Dad died, we did not treat you very well. You know, because we had tried to sue her because he and and at the Tennessee state law at that time was he can do with it whatever he wants to do. Right. So I said, is there anything I can do to make it right? She said, never contact me again, ever. Right. And so, OK, OK. And I need to finish this part up because I don't I doubt I'll get back to it. Um, so that was back in in the late 1990. And over the course of my sobriety, um, that has, you know, that just continued coming up. It, would, it kept coming up. It's like some of those things, you, uh, you know, they just keep coming back. And her, she kept coming back. And then about six, seven years into it, one time, I don't know what particular series, you know, whether it was five times I'd been through the steps or whatever, I don't have any idea. But I'd written my, my the way my sponsor has it is you write the first column, then you write the second column, then you write the third column, right? It's not a cross, it's down. It's column column. If you have any questions, let's talk after the meeting. Um, and I got down about, I don't know, almost a page in my first column, and I went, her name was Billy, okay? And I went, oh yeah, Billy! I hate Billy! Dang, I forgot about that! Yeah, Billy, I hate Billy, right? <laughs> and that was huge progress. That was huge progress. Then, and I hate to admit this, but then maybe 10 years ago, in 10 years ago, I realized that if it hadn't been for Billy... I probably never would have gotten here. I probably never would have gotten here because I got so sick of waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, every morning, hating. I probably wouldn't have gotten here. And then just a few years ago, embarrassingly, I realized, quite honestly, I owe that woman my life. I really do. If it hadn't been, I mean, here's what happened. I told you that my brother had a wreck on the way home from the bar, right? What had happened is he had uh, he'd gotten hit by a car. My father was a veterinarian. We have a lot of dogs that come in, so many dogs that come in hit by cars that we just do a little HBC hit by car, right? We made him a little card, HBC, hit by car. Um, it's my brain, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Um, and he got hit by a car, and he get he got this like I think it was like forty two thousand dollars settlement, right? And forty two thousand dollars within a couple of months, he was dead. If I had gotten the million dollars when I was twenty six years old, I would not be here. Period. Right? I literally owe that woman my very life. And the reason I tell you that is because keep, just keep doing this stuff. Even when it's like, I've done 18,000 of these stupid steps, right? Just keep doing it, right? And I got to tell you, I just, it just doesn't bother me at all anymore. The only time I ever even think about it is when I'm doing this, 
That's the only time I ever think about it. And I used to, every time things would get a little bit tight, you know, I'd go, no, I've forgiven her, right? Um, Okay, so then, um, so, let me see. Oh, shoot. Okay, so uh, I used to be in this business where I really fed my ego a lot. It really fed my ego. I was I was a comedy writer for this TV stuff. I used to produce TV shows. I was like, oh, Michael, you're so clever and cute. <laughs> right? And I ate that crap up. I loved it. I loved it, right? And I would go, oh, no, no. But I loved that crap, right? And, uh, and I, I pursued it to the gates of insanity and close to death. Um, I ended up, it ended up, I gave my life to it. A job is a great thing. I got nothing against a good job, but a job makes a crappy God. It makes a really bad God. And I made money and my job my God. And it ended up costing, I burnt my life to the ground, completely stone cold sober. I have this thing about fire, right? I burnt my life to the ground. (laughs) completely stone cold sober ended up costing me my marriage ended up costing me everything right and uh i uh i think i want to yeah i'm just going to tell you a little story so part of that marriage coming to an end was that my kids have three great kids three great kids they're all in their 30s now they were, you know, relatively young when I burnt my life to the ground. My ex-wife and I tried to stay together. We actually did stay together for a long time, long time, probably past the time we should have. But uh, one of the long-range pro- um, consequences, it's hard for me to even think of that word. How alcoholic is that? <laughs> oh, consequences. Yeah, 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 right? Um, one of the long-range consequences of those actions that I took, stone cold sober, as a non, not as a sober, a dry alcoholic, was that two of my three kids literally wouldn't talk to me. Just had zero interest in talking to me. None. Um, and oh, three years ago, right before, uh, remember the pandemic. <laughs> Um, right before the pandemic hit, you guys asked me to, somebody asked me to come up here and speak at the, 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 the pig, uh, fry, the pig, where you, huh? Pig roast. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm betraying my Mount Juliet roots. I'm sorry. Um, uh, for a pig roast and like the pandemic hit. Right. And I went, Oh, they said, Hey, we can't do it. I went, Oh, cool. Just, you know, let me know when, when it's back up and going. So that's in 2020, I think something like that. And then so they uh, they called back up and they said, hey, let's do it. Let's, let's do it this year. I went, okay, cool. We're on. That sounds great. That sounds great. So um, it's about a week before I'm going to come up here. And my daughter, who's literally not spoken to me, it's really weird. This is just an amazing uh, coincidence. I don't think it's not a coincidence. It's uh, seven years ago today was the last time I had spoken to my daughter. A memory came up on Facebook, right? Seven years ago today is the last time I'd spoken to my daughter. And she texted me and said, hey, I'm willing to uh, go to lunch with you. I'm going to be moving out of Nashville, and I want to, you know, I just want to say goodbye before I go. I said, that sounds great. That sounds great. Uh, 
I had been um, sending them. I, I worked with this guy. I went through the steps. I go through the steps with my sponsor a lot. I went through the steps with this guy named Harold out of Missouri. And what Harold had me do was he had me send them love. He had me send them love. And, and, and when it was appropriate, what I would do is I would send them a card. It's your birthday. Hey, man, just thinking about you. Hope all is well. Love you, Dad. Not I hope we can get back together, any of that crap, but just I'm thinking about you. I love you. That's it. So she calls me up and says, hey, I'm willing to go to lunch. Um, I said, that's fantastic. We go to lunch. It's awkward. You know, we haven't spoken in five years at that time, right, in five years. And I said, so when are you, when are you heading out of town? She said, well, I'm, I'm leaving town Wednesday. I said, well, where are you going to be moving? She said, Covington, Kentucky. <laughs> right? I went, I'm going up to Covington, Kentucky Saturday to speak. Would it be cool if I maybe came over and saw your house? You went, nah, that's my first weekend there. Nah, I get it, get it completely. But, but that's really cool. I'm really happy for you. I'm really, really happy for you. And so I'm packing up that morning to come up to Covington, Kentucky. And, uh, and I get another text. And she says, hey, why don't you just come on by, you know, maybe come on by sometime. So, well, I'm going to be speaking on Saturday, but I'd love to come by Sunday. Would Sunday work? She's, that sounds groovy. That sounds great. So I go by, I go speak on Saturday. There's, I'll go speak on Saturday. It was hot. I had, I stripped off all my clothes. I, no, I didn't. Um, um, so I, so I, I spoke on Saturday and I went over to her place on Sunday and it was a little bit awkward to begin with, but she and I and, and her husband, we went out and we went to uh, lunch together and it just, we reconnected. We really, you guys showed me how to like reconnect with my daughter who had not spoken to me for five years, right? And uh, I will never forget it. It was uh, June the 20th of 2021. Neither of us really recognized it at the time, but, but it was Father's Day. It was, it was You guys gave me the best Father's Day present I have ever gotten. You got me back with my daughter. Um, my son still doesn't speak to me, still doesn't speak to me. Uh, I'm still sending him cards, and, you know, I'm just, just doing the – I'm following directions. I'm following directions. Oh, cool. Um, I came up – I didn't go to Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go to Cleveland. After we figured out, oh, you should probably go to Cincinnati, I said, hey, man – I think what I'd like to do is just drive up a day early. So I came up yesterday, spent the night with my daughter at her place. Right, right, right. And this and this morning we went out and had a beautiful breakfast. We talk all the time. We text all the time. She is a ridiculously successful um, author. And I'm not like, you know, not self-published, but like Simon and Schuster kind of stuff, right? She's blossomed into this amazing human being. And we have a relationship. We have a relationship. It was all just because I followed your directions, your directions. Um, 
You know, I really do. I literally owe you guys my life. I owe you my relationships. I am extremely excited about this weekend. I'm excited to hear Cliff tomorrow. I'm excited to hear to meet Butch. I can't wait to meet him and hear. No, I, I, I will wait to meet Butch because he's not coming. What? He is coming. He's not coming. I can't wait to at some point in the future meet Butch. <laughs> Oops. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, thank you. I, I, Huh? Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky is where I came to speak, and this is where I met back up with my daughter. That's where it was. You guys introduced me back to my daughter. I love you. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you.